0: I'm really excited to to introduce Alan Hunter tonight. Man, you know, Alan is is pretty new to the faith, but, man, this guy has come on like a lion. I mean, it's been great. And uh, Alan knows that when he first showed up, uh, some of the men and I were kind of pretty protective of Liberty. You know, she's gorgeous young woman, man. She's just sweet and cute, and uh, she brings this guy guy to the assembly man and you know, we were nice to him of course we'd be nice to him you know the love of christ but you know you never know <laughs> and it was so sweet because uh he felt right at home and, and we were excited to have him there and get to meet him and stuff and it wasn't too long before we were doing that marriage counseling right and uh man i'll tell you through that marriage counseling I have, i've worked with a lot a lot a lot of young people and man alan was really Totally like, totally locked on, laser locked, man. That's what I was saying. And uh, even tonight, early on in that marriage counseling, I said, you know what? Jesus gave his life 100% and still does for you and I out of love. And it's only right for us to give 100% in sacrificing ourselves to serve him. He says in the same way the Bible teaches the husband, if he'll give 100%, of himself and sacrificial love and service his wife and she's going to do that in response and I knew that liberty would do that that marriage will be blessed but in our world it's oftentimes a 50-50 give and take type of proposition and I said man you only get 50 percent and if you get 49 or 48 or 45 pretty soon you're kind of suspect right you go man I'm not sure if I want to be in this thing anymore why because they're doing it the wrong way they're not doing it God's way And he just tonight said, man, that really revolutionized my thinking and that was my commitment then as we were engaged that I would be that kind of husband. And I'll tell you what, the kind of things I see in them and the growth, both of them together, has been phenomenal. So I wasn't too many weeks ago that I was over at their place studying and and I don't remember what I said, but man, he got excited. I mean, like really i think it was baptism of suffering or something i don't remember but but anyway he goes wait a minute man this whole christian life is inconvenient man if you're not willing to lay it all down and you're always whining about something and he went on that was great i said that'd make a great sermon title and he just preached that so i'm not sure if that's what he's preaching tonight but i was so impressed i'm so thankful that he stepped up just recently says i want to help out and and do what is it prayer or lord's supper meditation? Uh, meditation okay stepping up public assembly and then he asked me he goes hey would you mind if i did preach that sermon i said yeah man i'll make a slot and so i'm excited that this young man that he's come on strong he's growing strong and i have great confidence he's going to continue to bear up under the inconveniences of this Christian life. Let's bring him on. woo Alan Hunter.
1: All right. Oh. Excuse me real quick. I told Liberty that I would record this myself, too, because she don't want to wait, so. <laughs> All right, so. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, uh, we were doing our elementary teachings, and uh, I think we were about Lesson 13, Lesson 14, we were getting right towards the end, and yeah, I I got on fire, I stood up in my living room and probably scared the neighbors, (laughs) Uh, and you know, I I just said, being a Christian isn't convenient, and so Bill titled my sermon tonight, the the inconvenient Christian, the inconvenience of being Christian. So, real quick, I'm going to turn to Matthew 8, chapter 18, or uh, Matthew 8, verse 18. So, the uh, the header right above verse 18 in my Bible says, Discipleship Tested. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. Then a scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So, right there, I mean, Jesus just saying, It's going to be rough. you're gonna be inconvenienced. You're not gonna. You're not gonna have a spot to to lay down your head at night, and you might lose sleep. So you know. In today's world, we look at the word inconvenience, and we often associate something negative with it. You know, you're traveling to work. You got a flat tire. You're gonna be late. You're inconvenienced. You got to jump out. You got to change that tire. Uh, the, the definition of convenience is the ability to do something with little effort or difficulty. And I mean that right there as Christians, I should tell us it shouldn't be easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. Why would it be easy for us? So there's, there are a lot of convenient things in this world today. You know, we, we have cars, uh, our phones, literally, for a lot of us, is our life at the touch of a fingertip, you know, I could access my bank, I could access my time clock at work and clock in from my truck before I even walk in the door, uh, just, you know, a lot of convenient things, um, you know, uh, we got washer and dryers, you know, imagine having to run down to a river and wash your clothes, you know, I mean, a lot of things today have been made convenient it's not necessarily a bad thing, but can it be a bad thing? So and you know, really in, in modern America when some ain't convenient, some ain't going somebody's way, they tend to whine. They tend to cry. And say it's not fair, you know. So I wanna I wanna look at a, a couple of examples from the old testament, uh some, uh, some examples of what I like to call conviction and faith and inconvenience. <laughs> uh, for starters, uh, let's let's talk about Noah. We, we don't got to turn there. We all know the story. Um, God said he's going to flood the earth. God said, hey, build an ark. It took Noah 55 to 75 years to build that ark. That was a big boat. They uh they built a repu- uh, a replica in Kentucky I believe or maybe Ohio but I, I looked up the the new ark and like how long did that take to build and all that and uh it it took 18 months with 45 people working around the clock they had power tools they had cranes they had mills to mill the wood for that Noah didn't have none of that. Noah could have said no to God. (laughs) I mean, that's the one thing that God has done for us is he has given us free will. But Noah didn't, and I'm sure Noah's family helped him with it. But think about that, 55, 75 years. How many times do you think Noah hit his thumb with a hammer? You know, how many times, how many splinters do you think he had? You know, uh, moving on, you know, uh, looking at Abraham at the age of 75, Abraham Abraham was said to, to go. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to turn to these and you you guys don't have to, it's dark and kind of hard to read. So turn to Genesis 12 and I'm going to read one through four. Now, the Lord said to Abram. Go from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. You I will curse. Oh, sorry. Uh, I will bless those who, who bless you. And the ones... Who curse, I will curse. <clears throat> and in and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This 75 years, this is Abraham's home. God said, get up and go. I know I would have a hard time leaving, you know. Everything I know, my family, everything, I would have a hard time leaving after 75 years of knowing that. And Abraham did go and he found the promised land and he built an altar, but he didn't stop there. He kept on going. He went down to, to Negev. From there, he went to Egypt In Egypt. They didn't really like him because he didn't want to be too honest about Sarah, his wife. So they said, Hey man, you should pack up and go again. Uh, I never really could find anything that just said, how much did Abraham travel for how long? But from what I read, it, it kind of seems like he traveled for the rest of his life he traveled for 75 years he died at 150 and he was constantly moving on top of that you know god god said i'll bless you with a son he had isaac and then god said take isaac up to the mountain and sacrifice him to me that can't be convenient <laughs> i i'm not a father But I could only imagine if I was a father, how hard that walk would be with my son, with my child, you know, we move on, we we go to Moses, you know, and and Moses led Israel out of Egypt for 40 years in the wilderness. And Boy, the Exodus really gets me going because Israel complains and complains and complains. And I'm just like, what are you people doing? Can you not see what God is blessing you with? Moses is front of the pack, having to deal with it. That's That's got to be a headache, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I have a hard time at work when my employees complain too much, you know? And I just want to walk away. Like, okay, I'm done. I'm not listening to you guys no more. I'm going to go sit at my computer and do some office stuff and ignore you. Moses didn't do that. <laughs> You know, so Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the temporary pleasures of sin. And that right there, yeah, I mean... He's plucked out of the river by Pharaoh's sister and, you know, he could, he could be a prince. Yeah. Anything and everything he wants, but he chose conviction. He chose to go and get inconvenient in his life yeah. and lead people, lead Israel out of slavery. You know, he went up on that mountain and, and he did. He did. He, he sat there with a chisel, little rod, and he wrote them commandments out on them stones. He came down off that mountain, and what were they doing? They were p- praying to a golden cow. Out of fury, anger, he throws those stones down, breaks them. What God say? Go back up. Let's rewrite them. Let's do it again. What Moses do? He went back up. He rewrote those commandments years Moses just had to put up with Israel and I mean what a what an inconvenience you know crying oh why did you bring us out into the wilderness and now we're gonna starve God gave them food oh we're gonna die of thirst God gave them water I myself I could not deal with that guys <laughs> I could not deal with that that whining and crying like that not for 40 years Moses was a strong man. <laughs> Move ahead and, you know, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They they wouldn't worship Nebuchadnezzar's statue, his god. You know, and uh, they were... Sorry, excuse me, I gotta find Dan, Daniel. I'm not too good at that part yet, guys, but that's all right basically uh i have written down daniel 3 14 through 18 so basically nebuchadnezzar brings them up and says hey i'll give you another shot when you hear the music you hear the trumpets you 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 hear the the instruments bow down to my statue nah nebuchadnezzar said what god will save you from my hand they knew, I mean, you know, get thrown in a furnace, but they knew God will. And they said, you know what? Even if our God doesn't rescue us from your hand, we will never bow down to your God. That's a straight up conviction. I mean, they know where they're headed. They know that that's a hot place that they're about to get thrown into. They didn't know if God was going to come in there and pull them out and save them but they weren't they weren't willing to refuse God and bow down to some other guy and his statue that's conviction right there apostle paul I mean one of my favorite apostles I I love reading paul's stories and acts and but that guy was beaten a lot he was in prison uh, I was trying to figure out about how many years in total he was in prison. It looked about five, five and a half years total of, of uh, being thrown into jail. You know, uh, he was beaten so badly he was drug outside of the city. After being beaten, flogged, and, and stoned, they thought he was dead. They just drug old Paul out. There you go. What Paul do? As soon as he could, he got back up. He walked right back into that city, preaching the word. Inconvenience, but he wasn't afraid. You know, we can't we can't allow inconvenience to scare us from our faith. We can't allow it to to break us down and decide like, oh, that's kind of scary. I don't know about that. God's gonna see us through. It's His will. And it's his will for us to please him. So we have to trust in God and have faith that no matter what, we're going to be persecuted, but he's going to see us through. So at one point in time, we could all go home with him. So in Acts 16, 25 through 30, it's a good one let's This is uh another story of Paul being in prison <clears throat> Act 16 25 through 30 Now about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. This is why they're in prison. Singing hymns, giving praise. Giving praise to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, thinking that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out with a voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all still here. And the jailer asked for for lights and rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. After he brought them out, he said, Sirs. What must I do to be saved? They could have all walked out right then and there. How many times Paul's been in prison, been beaten, them chains come off, doors open up. feel like most people would have bolted at that chance. You know, you don't want to sit there and take another beating and now God's opened that door. But no, he stayed, not knowing what could happen not even knowing if he was going to save this jailer and his family, but he did right there that day, that conviction right there. He brought more people into the kingdom. He introduced more people to Christ. We go on and, you know, we look at, at Jesus Christ, our Lord and savior born of flesh among men had all the opportunities to sin but he didn't he uh, he continued to live a blameless life for us for all of you for for all of us even the people who don't know it yet and haven't found God he did that for them you know uh, he was tortured he had a crown of thorns placed upon his head and beaten down on him he was spit on he flogged whipped Brian does a lot of sermons and talks about that and you know one Sunday Brian pulled his belt and hit that podium and I think that woke the whole neighborhood and it should have because that's that's what Jesus did for us he didn't have to he could have said you know what dad you're right (laughs) You're right, there's no saving these people. It's useless. Bring bring me home, man. Send those angels down. You know, he could have called 12 legions of angels. And if you look at a legion, it's about 6,000. 12 legions is 72,000 angels. He could have called them. They could have grabbed him. Like, all right, we're going home. But first, we're wiping this place clean. God's done. He don't want it no more. You know, think think about that. That's what Jesus did for us, and how how inconvenient was that to be to be beat, to be whipped, to have thorns batted into your head, and then go ahead and carry your cross too. You know, that's inconvenient, but He did that for us. So again, I say should it be convenient to be a Christian? I don't think so. I think it's something that we need to work on. And I think when the inconvenience comes, we just got to face it and we got to trust that God's going to bring us through that. So, you know, looking at it, like, like, what does it mean to be a Christian today? You know, and Unfortunately there's a lot of churches and a lot of pastors and preachers that that don't teach it all they don't teach the plan of salvation they just say hey ask Jesus in your heart ask for forgiveness and you're good you're saved <laughs> I don't think so like I, I I feel if it was that easy we wouldn't have hell everybody at some point in time in their life would just say hey Jesus, Please come into me. I'm sorry. We wouldn't have hell. Why would we? You know? <clears throat> to be a Christian, you need to be buried with Christ and raised with him in immersion. You need to be willing to change to repent. I looked up the, the Google definition of repent and it, it's pretty convenient. <laughs> I'll just say that, guys. It's a... Uh, is to feel regret or remorse for wrongdoings or sin. <laughs> it, it to me that doesn't get any more convenient. You know, I feel bad, so I'm repenting. You know that that's not it. That doesn't that doesn't cut it. That that's not repentance. Amen. The Greek definition metanoia. It means a change of mind, a fundamental transformation of outlook. Man's vision of the world of himself and a new way of loving others and God. See, when we repent, we got to be willing to change. You know, the old me has to die. I have to circumcise that guy out of my life. And it was rough for me. It was. I looked at a lot of the things that I did before I met any one of you guys, before I met liberty and i thought there's no way there's no way he's gonna say that's all right you made a mistake you know and it was hard it was a lot of self-reflect it was a lot of nights crying with liberty and her encouraging me and telling me no you're doing fine this is what you need to do you need to feel this shame so that you don't do it again i i love her for the encouragement and always cheering me on and pushing me up and building me into this person today. And I thank every single one of you guys for always being there and building me up into the person that I am today. And I only hope that I continue to grow. See, yeah, repentance is, it's mentally changing. It's, it's mental work. It's physical work. We can mentally change, but we can't just walk into society still like the old us did. People ain't going to see that. They're not going to see Christ in you if you're still walking around being a dodo head and being a jerk. All the way around, you got to change. You know, I used to get really mad at work. I would cuss people out. I would would yell at my bosses. I would yell at my co-supervisors. I was not a nice guy at work. And I started to realize, like, what am I doing? Like, that that's not helping nobody. My anger's not helping. So I took a step back and I looked and I started working on it. And I'm like, you know what? It's time to stop getting mad over little stuff, over spilt milk. Like, who cares? But what I do know is if they see me like that, they're never going to question what my faith and religion is they're I'm never going to have that opportunity to, to almost get a study because who wants to come up to the angry guy and be all like, Hey man, what Bible are you reading? You know, <laughs> I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, we, we got to change all the way around a hundred percent. For me, I really became convicted on, convenience and inconvenience uh going to sunday night assemblies and it used to be that i would make up excuses to not go oh i gotta i gotta make my lunches for work for the next week guess what i never did i sat down on the couch being lazy and turned on a movie or turned on a tv show and guess what by the end of the night i was rushing to get those lunches made because I was just being an idiot. I would I would make excuses not to go to Sunday morning assembly. I thought that I could live both worlds. I thought that I could still, on a Saturday night, stay up and drink and have fun. But then I found myself on a Sunday morning, tired, a little hungover. No, I don't think I'm going to go, babe. I don't think... See, see if uh, Opa will give you a ride, you know, and that's not right, that's not fair to Jesus, that's not fair to my wife, like, I, I shouldn't have been that guy, and and so I realized, like, what am I doing, how am I gonna sit here and just, like, put one foot in, you know, and then I'm like, oh, friends are calling, they're barbecuing, okay, I'm gonna pull out real quick, and I'm gonna go hang out, you know, we could... <laughs> We could fall out of grace, you know, and and I realized, like, I don't have nothing pressing going on Sunday nights. Why not go get that fellowship? You know, I, I find that actually, you know, my week goes really good and I love it. I love how charged up I am leaving the Kirkpatrick's house on a Sunday evening, leaving the Compton's or the parks, like, I am charged up. I am ready to take on the week. I found my conviction, you know, and I I just told Liberty one night, like, hey, I think we're going to start going to Sunday nights. Well, I'm going to go. I would love it if you went too. smile ear to ear. I mean, you guys know Liberty, you know, she loved it. I said, hey, I want to go to Monday nights to college age study. Haven't missed one yet. Trying to keep a track record with Bill here and you know, not miss one. Started going to Wednesday nights, you know. And I get it, you know. Sometimes life happens and yeah, sometimes we can't make it. And that's fine. And I'm not I'm not up here saying like any of you guys are wrong that don't. For me, I need it. I am new in in the faith. And I realized, like, I got to protect myself. Because the devil, he don't like it. He don't like that I'm new in faith. And he don't like that I found it. He don't like that I met Brian Compton. Or Bill Compton, sorry. <laughs> he don't like that I met Brian Bragg, Ken, Scott, Jeff, Kirk. He doesn't like that you guys are in my life. Because he knows you guys ain't going to let go of me. But it's also on me. To stay right there with you guys. You know, I would have the mindset, you know, like instead of reading the Bible, I'm going to I'm going to watch TV, but it's okay because, you know, I read yesterday or or, you know, I'll just read here before I go to bed or I'll read tomorrow, you know, and I found really quickly that my my days and weeks get pretty rough. When I stop reading the Bible and just getting that, that encouragement every night, every day to, to be a Christian, we need to be partakers and doers of the word. That's what we need to be. We can't just hear it and go on about our week. We need to hear it and then go out and practice it. We need to represent Christ. We are ambassadors of God. Of jesus christ of their kingdom we are ambassadors we need to walk daily representing that being ambassadors i i look at a lot of you men here in church bill constantly busy bible studies you know uh multiple bible studies he's so busy that he doesn't know when he's gonna build his fence. But yeah, somehow he still wakes up and he figures it out. When we were doing marriage studies, I asked Bill, I said, Bill, I wanna be baptized, but I wanna know that I'm doing it for the right reason. Can we hold off on the marriage studies and and start working on the elementary teachings? Bill got all sorts of excited and absolutely, absolutely. But in my mind, too, I knew that, man, I'm I'm just stacking that much more on Bill, but he never gives up. You know, nights, nights and days where I wasn't sure, like, hey, Bill, I don't know if it's going to work out. Bill's all right. All right. And then two minutes later, call me up. Hey, uh, so I just had this go on. I could be there in 10 minutes. You know, we might not get a full one in, but study, study. You know, that's what Bill does for the church constantly. And he leads us. Every day, every week, every Sunday, standing up on that pulpit, he's leading us. And that can't be easy. That can't be easy, taking the stress of the whole congregation, the fellowship. But he doesn't give up. He just continues. You know, I look at at Brian Bragg, shows up on a Sunday morning to preach and give a sermon, but yet he hadn't been to bed yet. He got off shift working all night as a cop dealing with some ugly dark people but he shows up he's got a smile on his face. He's always cheerful and he's already always ready to go. You know, Kirk Kirk took on the leadership of Alvador while still working a full-time job. That can't be easy. You know, and nonetheless you Kinda of walking into a new new territory not knowing. Not knowing, are they gonna accept me? On top of that, Kirk every Sunday preaches at Alvador and then him and Melissa show up at Pleasant Hill. That's devotion. That's conviction, man. They are they are thick in the word. They wanna be in the works. I look at Scott and and Jeff. Jeff Drillinger, uh, Brad McKinney, I mean, they do so much be behind the scenes, you know, uh, the emails, the, the pamphlets every Sunday printed out, uh, you know, Brad is going to take this and put it on the website so others could hear. So much work behind the scenes, and on top of that, the one thing I never really realized is how long does it take to build a sermon <laughs> i found out working on this it's not easy it's not easy and with all that you're building sermons with full-time jobs bills building sermons and lessons trying to build a fence cut wood and disciple and teach and try to bring in more people in. It's not easy. I don't think it's convenient, is it, Bill? No. <laughs> right? I look at, at Ken and, and Jeff Sharon, Opa as I like to call him, uh, with the nickname the Blue Jean Angels. All the work that they do at the building, year in and year out. Just to make sure that we're comfortable. When we go in on Sundays. You know. People like all of you is. You guys are who I want to be. I just hope that. I could continue to grow. And I could continue to learn. From every single one of you guys. And maybe someday. Somebody will be up here talking about. How, you know, like oh I hang out with Max and Ty and Braxton and you know, I just encourage them like like Jeff did for Bill's boys, like Jeff did for his own kids. I wanna be that mentor someday. I wanna be you guys. You know, I I I realized, you know, writing this uh, you know what, you guys do so much and yeah don't always have the time or the convenience to to do the sermons to, to print out the, the pamphlets every Sunday to send out the emails you know but you guys still do it you don't let it just stop you and be like oh it's such an inconvenience and I'm not doing it today you don't you just do it you guys are partakers doers of the word So in closing, having convenience can be nice. Yeah, it can. But we also need to realize that it could mean that we are falling short. That we are becoming lukewarm. And you know, one of my my first family camps that I went to Steve Doty, another great guy, another awesome person in Christ and a doer. He uh, he read verse from from Revelations chapter three fifteen and sixteen, and it's always stuck with me. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out my mouth. I don't want to be vomit, guys. (laughs) I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be hot. I want to be red hot in the word. I want to be a partaker. And I just want to end by thanking every single one of you again for always encouraging me. Brian, my first time going to Pleasant Hill, stopped me. Hey, come back, man. Come back, trust me. I know it might be kind of weird and it's a little awkward because it's new, but come back, trust me. That stuck with me. Brian, who doesn't know me, I didn't want to show you guys my tattoos. But no, every single one of you came up and shook my hand and greeted me in your own way. You guys brought me back to Pleasant Hill. So, thank you guys. Amen. Right.
0: So, how many of you remember your first sermon? What'd you think, man? That was awesome. Let's give it up. That was awesome.
1: Woo-hoo. <laughs> that was awesome.
0: All right. So, I got several things to say number one your hope is coming true you're standing up here delivering a sermon thank you that was a great sermon thank you so this is who you are now you're a part of us okay yes all right hey let's uh let's close this time in our word of prayer and then stoke the fire and hang out for a little bit you boys from back east you should have been in bed an hour ago (laughs) about about three hours ago actually (laughs) well we just thank you and praise you so much for the evening and. Thank you so much for this beautiful place. And when uh, uh, Mark and Joey and I got up here this morning about 7.30, it was like, oh, yeah, the, you know, the campsite's open. And I was just totally excited. and It's the beauty of the day and the beauty of this great evening and the, the opportunity to, to preach and to teach and to spend time getting to know each other better and to, to growing our faith and encouraging one another and to being inspired. Father, we just we just at any point if we whine we just don't get it. Father, life is for the Christian by very definition inconvenient. And we should rejoice in the opportunity to suffer uh, for your name's sake, Father. And we just praise you and thank you for the message tonight. And just praise you praise you and thank you for our brother Alan. Uh, Father, in Jesus' name we praise you. Amen. Amen. All right. There we go.